Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I am so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which features another interview with someone who has some pretty interesting experiences to share with Women in the Middle. Today, we're talking about what it takes to lose over 100 pounds and become a midlife version of yourself that you didn't even think was possible, specifically a slim athlete. But before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by my powerful new coaching experience, the 50 Unplugged Mastermind. If you're ready to kick fear to the door and finally prioritize yourself so that you can be the woman you want to be going forward, then listen up, my friend. As a woman in the middle, you have so much to offer. Really think about where you want to be this time next year. If it's not where you are right now, if you feel stuck, if you feel like life is passing you by, and you're ready to get excited about your life again, head right over to www.talktosusie.com, book a quick 10-minute call, and apply to work together. It's a no-obligation, no-pressure call, but we will see if you're a good fit, and we will take it from there. Just go to www.talktosusie.com. Okay, this week, my very special guest has done something that you will most likely find too much to even fathom like seriously impressive. My guest today is the amazing Amanda Mueller. She went from being, in her own words, the fat woman in the room who regularly hid in her own skin to someone who lost 140 pounds and became a marathon runner. Amanda is 51 now and has quite a story to tell. As an overweight woman, she didn't like thinking about not being able to keep up with her kids when she was in her 40s. She found an amazing support system and away she went. Slow and steady wins the race. She successfully lost her weight, like I said, 140 pounds. And if that's not impressive enough, she also started running. She became motivated to run by Minnie Mouse, of all people, or mice. (laughs) What happened was that she found something related to Minnie Mouse, and I can't wait for you to hear more about that story because it really, really helped her move forward to her goal. Amanda talks about the importance of taking full responsibility for your life and making careful choices every day. She shares what it's like to imagine yourself as someone totally different. And she also gives her insights into the importance of role modeling this type of disciplined lifestyle to her family. Amanda also explains how she harnessed her internal motivation. She likes being goal-oriented and reaching for goals, and she ended up figuring this all out to have success. In Amanda's world, everything is figureoutable. Her story is super inspirational, especially this time of year when you're probably thinking about your own personal goals including weight loss and exercise. So please enjoy this interview. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Thank you, Susie, for having me. I'm pleased to be here. Wow. So your story 
is very exciting. So as some of my listeners know, uh, this year there was a contest running called 50 Unplugged Contest. And what I was looking to do was to connect with women who were turning 50 in 2018. And of course, there's free coaching. That's a prize. We haven't drawn anything yet. And I also wanted to in- invite people who were turning 50 or who recently turned 50 onto the podcast to talk about the experience. So when I saw your application, I was super excited because we have met in the coaching world, but um, I really, I don't think I know anybody else like you. And the main thing about your story that I find unbelievable is that before you turned 50, you never thought of yourself as an athlete and you never thought of yourself as a slim woman. And now that you're over 50, you're just barely on the other side. You are an athlete and you are a slim person. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I feel like I spent so much of my 30s and, and even early 40s feeling like the fat woman in the room. Um, I always said that, you know, I always felt like when I walked into a PTA meeting or, or any of those school functions that everybody was like, oh, who's that fat woman in the corner? And, and I would put myself in a corner because it was easier than maybe having to have that conversation with somebody that I just wasn't comfortable with. And it was hiding in my own skin in a lot of ways. Um, and then that started to change. And I was like, all right, I found my own control and found my own way of being able to deal with food and um, being able to, to lose the weight and... Um, in that process, before I turned 50, I had lost 140 pounds. And okay, pause. I can't believe that you lost 140 pounds and you were ready to just keep, keep on talking. Let's just pause on that for a minute. 140 pounds. So tell me, were you overweight most of your life? Oh, absolutely. I was um, always a heavy child. Um, you know. I remember being heavy in college and I gained even more weight in college and then I got married and my husband has always been extremely good to me. And so if I didn't feel like cooking supper, we went out and ate. And what we went out and ate is so different than what I would go out and eat today. And we still go out and eat, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Um, Because I love to go out and eat. Um, But my choices are different. And that's what's gotten me to the point that I can say I've lost 140 pounds and have kept it off still doing the things that I, I enjoyed doing before, like eating out. Yeah, um, that's, that's really good insight. It is about choices we make every day. But so what, would you say that that's when things started to change for you in your 40s when, when you started to imagine yourself as somebody different that you could lose weight if you wanted to? Like, when did you start to think about it? Um, yeah, it was, it was in my 40s that I really was like, all right, I'm, I'm tired of this and I'm going to do something about it. And so I just really learned what was going to work for me day in and day out. And, and I'm a firm believer that there's not one way for everyone to lose weight. And um, if you're going to feel deprived, you're not going to make it because there's, we're just not happy that way. (laughs) Yeah, it's Um, so so true. So did you start to imagine what 
like becoming an older woman and still having weight? Like, were you thinking about your future heavy self? What motivated you at that point? You know, I think what motivated me at that point was keeping up with kids more than what it was going to be now. But I will say now I look at, not even look at, sometimes I see older heavy women and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm not there now. Mm. I'm so glad I figured out how to get out of that. I'm so glad that there was a support system for me to be able to make the changes I needed to make. You know, it's so interesting about weight because so many people who have weight to lose, and for some it's 30 pounds, for some it's like, like yours, a larger weight loss, it seems impossible, you know? And especially yeah. when we start to get older and there's something about 50, it's kind of like a gateway to never, never land for many people in terms of mindset. It's like, if I don't do this by the time I'm 50, it's never going to happen. Or if I wait to do it after 50, then menopause is going to make it harder and aging is going to make it harder and everything's going to make it harder. And what's so, like I said, so remarkable about your story is that your 50, your post 50 years are completely different when it comes to weight and self-identity than what it was like for you in the first 50 years. So you created more opportunity for yourself after you turned 50 than you had for decades. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the things I do and how I look at my life are so different than what they, they were, you know, post the weight loss. I would have never been a person who would have said, oh, I missed the fact that I didn't get up and run this morning. I would have never said that. <laughs> what would you have said instead? oh, there must be zombies chasing me if I'm running or there's a bear <laughs> going to get me. I mean, anything except for, oh my gosh. I mean, so I did a race on Sunday and I haven't run since then. And I really am almost twitchy as it's Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, I need to run. Oh my gosh. So did you- just what I do. Did you start running when you started losing weight? Like how did running play into it in your 40s? So- Running, actually, I never intended to be a runner. I never intended for that to be a portion of my life, except that in my family, we are huge Disney fans, and I found a pair of Minnie Mouse shoes that I wanted. <laughs> of course found, you did. <laughs> of course I did, right. I found them on eBay, and they were horribly expensive. And my husband's like, there's got to be someplace you can buy them. I said, oh, yeah, only if you do a Disney race. And my husband said, well, you're not buying them on eBay. If you want them, you have to do a Disney race. And that was the start of me just realizing that running was even a possibility. Even at that point, I wasn't at my goal. But it was like, oh, wait, there is a way for me to run and be successful. And then I actually found that it became very, very much a place for me to um, release I always say it's it's the, the some of the bad things that maybe are, are invading my brain sometimes. It's a chance for me to go out and, and clear it up with some fresh air. And so now running is just what I do. Wow. So from what year was it or how old were you? Or let's try to benchmark when that first run was and how uh, much weight had you lost? At that point, I had lost a, probably about 120 pounds. So I had lost a majority of my weight. Um, 
And that would have been about um, four years ago. Um, and that next year, I lost the last 20. And I actually think because I was running, that the, that last 20 was easier. Um, and uh, so I've been running for, I mean, what I would call religiously almost, um, for about four years now. Um, having done many, many races in that time. Because... I'm a person who likes to have a goal out in front of me. And I think that's my big motivator for me. And I think that was the case with the weight loss. There was a point at which it was like, oh, wait, because I never expected to lose 140 pounds. I would have been thrilled with 100. And then it was like, oh, wait, what's the next carrot? And, and it's the same thing with running. Oh, wait, what's the next medal I might be able to earn? So basically, Minnie Mouse made you do it. Yeah, Minnie Mouse made me do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, Minnie Mouse keeps me running in a lot of ways and even making my goals bigger and more, you know, more challenging for myself because there's always something out there, which is what led me to, um, I turned 50 and before I turned 50, I decided I was going to run a marathon in my 50th year. And not only did I run one, but I ran two, <laughs> which I don't <laughs> recommend to anybody. But I ran two within a year of each other. And how um, long were you How long were you planning that? Like, when did you start to think about exactly how you wanted to celebrate your fiftieth year? Um, about six months before I turned fifty, I was like, "I'm going to do a marathon when I'm fifty years old." I mean, it was just kind of like, "That's what I'm going to do," and and so. Because marathon training takes a minimum of, of three months, a lot of times even longer than that. I think mo both the marathons I trained for um, were more like four months. It takes some, some training. And so I had to plan ahead for that. And I wanted my first marathon to be a Disney marathon. I did not want anybody else's marathon to be it, the first. Oh, that's so, amazing. So just, just for, um, <laughs> like, I don't even know how long a marathon is. So for the people who don't know anything about marathons, tell us how long a marathon is and, and what does training look like for something like that? Well, a marathon is 26.2 miles and I'm not very good at the kilometers, but I know it's over 45 kilometers. Um, <laughs> wow. And Training for that, I'm not a fast runner, and I'm okay with that, and I never claimed to be a fast runner, but what it meant was spending about every other Saturday or Sunday, just depending on, on my time schedule with my family, on the road by myself for anywhere from three to five hours, three to six hours sometimes. Um... And when I say three hours, that was because I was running a shorter distance. And when I got up into the training miles of 20 miles by myself on the road, you're looking, I was looking at six hours on the road by myself. It's a lot of time to be in thought, but it's amazing what you can listen to. There's some great podcasts out there. Do you know any, Susie? <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a couple of things. Yeah, I do, actually. A couple of things just came to mind when you said that. The first thing that popped into my mind is people who play golf, but like they would 
typically, I believe, have a big chunk of time that they would commit to developing that skill, but it's not alone. So what you are really explaining is that you're alone. So you're practicing, you're by yourself, and then if you get hurt while you're out there, you're alone. Yeah. I can't, yeah. Even, I can't even imagine that. So um, what, what do you think... I have a couple of questions for you because, I, like I said, Amanda, your story is so interesting. So you had, you know, most of your life, you were not highly motivated like you became, right? So you said you were really goal-oriented. So you came up with this weight loss goal. You never imagined yourself losing that much. Having 50 bearing down on you was kind of there. Um, and same with the marathon. So you started hatching all these ideas and becoming extremely motivated and disciplined, but like, why weren't you that way before? Or were you, but in different ways, like something changed that was huge. <laughs> I think in some ways I've always had some internal motivation where I like to, I like to achieve a goal. Um, and, you know, I never can have considered myself to be what I would consider um, competitive. But I always like to reach for a goal. I, you know, tell me that you want me to get 10,000 steps. And okay, if that's the goal for the week, that's what I'm going to do. Um, you want me to drink eight, eight glass, glasses of water? I'm probably going to do it before four because I'm one of those people who like to have everything done ahead of time. Hmm. I know, a strange person. But I think I've always had things like that. And it was a matter of putting all the pieces together and realizing that I could be successful and do this at the same time and enjoying the outcome of it has been huge for me too, because I, I truly enjoy what I, the person I have become through this journey or this process for me. Wow. What's, when you say that, what is the thought that comes to mind immediately? It's pure joy and happiness. I think I spent so much in my 30s and 40s unhappy. My, other than my immediate family, my closest family lives three hours away. I can remember just being like miserable because there's nobody here. What am I? I mean, you know, I wouldn't make friends because I'm the fat woman. And it's like, I'm not that person anymore. And yeah, I have more friends now. And to be honest, I'm fine not going out with friends now. Where before, it was always something I worried about, I think. And now it's like, oh, it's okay. I'm happy with myself. Where before, I was saying, oh, I can't be happy because I'm overweight. Maybe if I saw my family, I would be happy, and then I wouldn't be overweight. Or So blaming others for my weight to some extent. Would you say that that has been... The, one of the key things that has changed that has made, helped you be successful with weight loss? Oh, absolutely. Quit blaming someone else for, for my problems. I mean, you know, I always laugh when somebody says, well, they made me eat it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, I also, I think for so many people, we go through this spell where we think that we're miserable because of something that somebody's done to us. Um, you, you know, I've, I've also heard, well, I was born with these genes to be overweight. No, you weren't. 
um, that's how you choose to eat. And, and I no longer choose to eat that way and I stay healthier. And it's funny because, you, you know, I do go up and down and wait a little bit. And when my weight's up, I can tell it when I get on the road and, and put on the shoes and run the miles. But uh, for the most part, I try to keep it at an even keel so that I don't feel it. You know, one of the analogies I use with my clients is I compare food, eating food to secondhand smoke, the way a lot of people think about it. You know, if you imagine um, walking into a puff of smoke, so it might be, you know how sometimes people smoke outside a building? Yeah. So you have to walk through there to get to your car. And if you hold your breath, you're not breathing it in. But if you breathe it in, it is coming into your body. And so many of us think of food that way, that it's mysterious. Somehow it just gets into my body, <laughs> like secondhand smoke. But really, there are so many decisions that you have to make to decide that you want to eat the food. Usually you have to walk over to the food. Usually you have to open that container. Then you have to prepare the food or take the food out. And then you have to actually put it in your mouth. You have to chew it up. You have to swallow. Like there's so many steps that go into a decision to consume food, but we don't. It's so easy to think, like you said, that somebody made me do it or I don't know why I'm gaining weight. It's just so easy to be confused by all of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I can remember going to the grocery, especially when my kids were younger than they are now, um, and buying food that was meant for them, but they would never see it because I would eat it. And, and now if I buy food for them, it is truly for them. And with that being said, I, you know, I find it interesting because there are times where I will bring something home thinking it's for them. And they're like, oh, I don't really like that. And I'm like, ooh, there it is again, me buying for them, thinking it's for them when really I think I had that. So I'm so glad you brought up your kids. I want to talk about them for a minute. What do you think the effect on them has been of you as a role model? So they witnessed you accomplish massive goals and they couldn't ignore it because it affected them. They saw it every day. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, about raising a family, having kids, and the impact of your decision-making and your success on them. You know, it, it's interesting because I think um, my boys at this point are 18 and 21, and they both live a completely different lifestyle, but at the same time, they both appreciate what I would say is good food and good food for them. And I think that's because of what we have put in front of them or what they've seen me eat. You know, it's, it's funny when you see a kid who would order nothing but like chicken fingers or something like that, where my kids are like, oh, what's this with the truffle sauce or something like that? And I, you know, so they are very much looking outside of the normal foods at this point. But I also think they've seen things like setting goals and figuring out how to achieve them um, and knowing that they can reach for just about whatever they want. And it, because of that, I think they've both been more successful in their endeavors and what they've done in their, you know, short careers of, of students that they've had. Um, one's an athlete, one's in the theater. And so it's just so different to see them 
go for a goal and, and actually know that they can achieve it. Or when they don't achieve it, they can go, hmm, what do I need to do different next time? And, and I think that's, it, it comes from the modeling that they have witnessed me do or be frustrated with a run and know that, oh, that was just one frustration that it's going to be fine tomorrow. Yeah, that is so powerful. I mean, those are the kinds of lessons that they are just such important lifelong lessons and the best, it's so easy for so many people to make excuses because they have kids to not accomplish their goals. You accomplished your goals, your huge goals, and now you're enjoying an amazing spinoff of seeing those lessons seep into the brains of your kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Without having to, to oh my gosh, you got to set goals, you got to reach your goals. No, it, that's not been how we've lived here. It's been more about just giving examples and letting them see that, you know, isn't that amazing what you can do when you put your mind to it? That type of attitude as opposed to always feeling like you have to, um, I always say, you know, I hate to shove knowledge down there into them. It's more about them picking up the knowledge just because it's there. Mm, yeah. How long do you think it took you to lose that amount of weight? For me to lose that amount of weight, I did have, I had a major medical issue in the middle. And so I always tell people it took me longer than it would probably take most. Um, I, it was eight years uh, from start to finish. Cause I do remember when I started, I started, um, I had been at a family funeral in which I realized I was the smallest family member in the room at almost 300 pounds. Wow. And that's when I went, Oh, wait a minute. I can't do what my cousin who had just had a massive heart attack did um, and leave young children behind. And so that was my start and then I had a kidney transplant in the middle, which threw my food and what I could and couldn't eat off. And so that was, it was just, you know, changes things a little bit here. Just, and, just a little bit. So I had gained some of my weight back and I, um, once I was what they claimed as healthy again, then I went, all right, I'm back into what, what I know and how it works and got back to eating the foods I was used to eating and not being told that you, you know, I always, you know, the first time somebody tells you, you can't have something you love, that is all you want. Oh um, yeah. In this case, it was, I, I couldn't have anything with a phosphate in it. And so I couldn't have tomatoes. And it was like, when you start to think about where tomatoes are for most people in their food, it's everywhere. I love tomatoes. I just had a reaction. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's what I said. I said it was spaghetti. It was pizza. It was everything. And, um, and so it was little things like that that I had to give up or modify. Um, and I always joke the other thing they did was they told me, you can no longer have wheat bread. You can only eat white bread. And it was like, what? <laughs> um, because my body wouldn't break down. It wanted the easy breakdown. And so that was why I had to have the white bread. So, wow. Yeah, so, it so was really, just funny, you know, now I laugh about it because I'm like, yeah, that was the strangest diet I've ever been on. Yeah, that is strange. But it was really almost half of your kids' lives that they saw you in serious yeah. goal mode. Yeah, exactly. And probably saw, I mean, saw me in, in many different phases of that. Um, I can remember actually when my, my youngest was young still, 
saying to me one time, I was eating a piece of cake. And I remember him saying to me, Mom, you can't have cake. That's not on your diet. And I just looked at him and I said, actually, it is. I planned for it today and I'm going to eat it. Never again has that been an issue. And when my oldest comes home from college, he'll, he'll sometimes text me before he gets home and says, hey, can you plan for pizza or can you plan for this meal? Would you mind making spaghetti one night when I'm home? Whatever it might be, some of those things that he knows I'll eat, but I just don't eat them all the time. And so my family has, you know, is, they know that it's a process and a plan for me. That's amazing. Um, in the notes that you um, provided before we started, one of the main lessons that you said you learned was that everything is figure outable. Yeah. Everything is figure outable. And I can really see that your kids have absorbed that too. The way you were speaking about their own goal setting. And I love this because, you know, there are things that get in our way. There are obstacles, but there are strategies as well. And when you take full responsibility, like this comes up with my clients all the time, when you take full responsibility and shift your thinking, instead of like, this is just a nightmare, there's no way to solve it, to, oh, it's an obstacle. Now let's think about strategies to solve, to overcome. Things do become figure outable. It kind of it takes the mystery out of it and it takes the negativity out of it a bit. Do you find that? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's funny because I won't lie. I stepped on the scale this morning. It's up, but I literally have been, I've been away from my home for, I wouldn't say on vacation the whole time, but for 17 days I've been gone. And so I've been eating out for 17 days and yeah, I'm not surprised it's up a little bit. But I'm like, that's all right. Figure it out once before and figure it out this time. It'll come right back off. I know how to do it. And I'm okay with that. And like you said, it's all figure outable. And uh, yeah, w- my youngest, we just had some issues with some anxiety. And he's like, now learning how to really, okay, everything's figure outable. It's okay. I now know how to manage my own issues and my own thoughts. Exactly. And the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, one of the, um, another huge accomplishment that you have is that you shifted from being employed by somebody else to having your own business. So another big giant goal. And was that something you always wanted to do or when did that come onto the horizon? So owning my own business, I think I've always been someone who likes to set my own rules and regulations, as it were. And I was actually working for a large weight loss company. And the problem was they were telling me that this is the only way to lose weight. And as I already said, I believe there's more than one way to lose weight. Everybody has their own way, and you have to figure out what's going to work for you. And so I think my shift was, wait a minute, if I believe this, why do I want to work under somebody else's rules and regulations? Mm. Why not work under my own? And I actually feel like I can share so much more than just weight loss, where when I was working for a weight loss company, that's what I had to share. And, and so I think there was something, the combination, and it drove me to this. 
I had done some direct sales in the past and some different things like that. So I've always kind of had that inter, uh, that interest in being my own, having my own business. Right. And it just, sometimes there are things that are just out there and I was, I was really tired of having to follow and do everything in a straight line path. I wanted to follow my own path. And so I had to figure out how to create my own path. And that was by creating my own business. That's a beautiful thing. And it's so symbolic of what it means to so many women who turn 50. It's like, it's enough already. It's time to grow. It's enough already. It's time for me to figure out exactly who I am and how I can give back, how I can contribute, how I can help people. So I know you're turning 51 very soon in a couple yeah. of weeks. And so what do, you see your, what do you see for yourself going forward now that you're on the other side of 50? I just see more opportunity for success and gr personal growth, which I just love. I just, it's, it's almost like I just take it in and it's like, okay, let's, let's see what else I can achieve and what else I can do. Um, and then my other big thing is being able to help other women figure out how to get the weight loss that they want. Whether it's 10 pounds or 100 pounds, learning how they can do it for themselves. And that means more to me at this point in my life than almost anything because I just want to be able to help others feel how I feel every day when I get out of bed, excited to see Amanda, what it's going to bring. Oh my God. That's so, that's so perfect. Uh, helping women be excited about their lives is exactly what this podcast is about. Yeah. Loving life after 50. I couldn't be more excited for you and all of the women who are going to connect with you and be able to, with your help, also accomplish their weight loss goals. So how can women find you? Um, I have a website. It is simple and easy. It's Amanda Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook, the same Amanda Mueller. I'm sorry. It's Amanda Mueller Coaching. I forgot the coaching at the end. Um, Amanda Mueller Coaching Facebook would also be a place to find me. Um, and, and those are the two biggies. Um, I am on Instagram. I never can remember my Instagram because I want to say it's like moves, thoughts, and food or thoughts, moves, and food, you know. <laughs> I'll include it in the, in the show notes. No worries about that. Thank so you. let's because, just yeah. leave with what's your biggest piece of advice for women who are ready to lose weight? Start small where you're at today. Don't expect to be perfect. It is not going to be a perfect journey. Love it. Amanda, thank you so much. Your goals and your accomplishments are impressive, and I know that anyone listening today learned a ton. Thank you so much for being authentic and real, and happy birthday. Thank you. That's it for this episode. I'm sure you'll agree Amanda's story is so motivational and inspiring. She never imagined herself as a slim, fit athlete, let alone in midlife. It's another amazing example about the power of mindset and your ability to create the life you want on purpose. If you like what you've heard on today's episode, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review. Those reviews make me so happy. 
please take a second and do that. Also, check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. Let's do this, ladies, one motivational but amazing thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm. 